It's a beautiful day to say what you need to say. It's a beautiful day to say what you need to say. And I can lead the way. Hey there. Welcome to Time Out with Ty, the less official podcast of Behind the Buck Pass. I'm back this week to talk playoffs. I have my good friend, James Holis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin', a.k.a. Uh, now a TV-featured Kobe hater. How's it going, James? <laughs> Celtic basketball! <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing, brother? Thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it. Yeah, dude, I always appreciate it when you come on. I always know it's going to be a real good podcast. I mean, all of my podcasts are. Maybe it's me. Probably not. Let's uh let's start NBA stuff. Um first first thing, Stephen Curry is hurt. He I mean it's it's in play that he's not back this postseason. I I, I think he's going to be reevaluated in 2 weeks, which is not mean he'll be back in 2 weeks. He'll, he'll be reevaluated then. Just how sad are you about this? Well, the best point guard in uh in, in basketball got injured, uh but he's playing right now. Isaiah Thomas is uh he's going to roll his ankle a little bit. Now, oh, uh oh. No, no, all jokes, Warriors fans. We all we all know who the best point guard and uh, probably the best player in the league is right now, Steph Curry. Um, all right, the question is how sad am I about this? I'm not very sad because, uh, yeah, I mean, let's be real. Uh, all the things fell right for uh, for Golden State last year. They, they, they did have an inordinate amount of luck, but you need to win the championship. This is their adversity. This is, this is part of it right here, and I, I, I'm glad they're going through it uh, because it's tests. I mean, uh, to win the championship, it's a crucible, and you got to go through trying times, and this is their trying time. And uh, as luck would have it, as, if you can count any luck towards uh, Steph Curry injured, I mean, Chris Paul and uh, and Blake Griffin got hurt, so they're not going to have to face the Clippers at full strength, which they would have been facing in a, here in a few days if uh, if Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were healthy. I think they would have probably finished off Portland. Um, so. I mean, they just have to maintain, which they obviously did. They beat the heck out of Houston. They would even add some stress that Golden State would give Portland. You know, they're, they're probably a favorite to Portland. So this is a little bit of adversity. Uh, I'm glad he's not hurt permanently. I'm glad he's not hurt, you know, big time. And this is this is part of that for man. And this is part of the game. It sucks, but um, it, it makes for more compelling drama, I think. You're right. And uh, if the Warriors persevere and beat Portland in however many games without Steph. I think it is it's a great story of adversity. Um I don't know, I was just so sad he went down. I mean, Steph is it's pretty hard to not like Stephen Curry and after the year he had, I was looking forward to watching him just tear his way through the playoffs too. Uh that's not happening now, clearly. Um they might still get to the third round. Uh, I don't think they get out of the third round without Steph. I, I don't think they could do that, but uh, let's just get right into it. Basically, the the main premise I wanted to talk about is it feels like the the path to a championship for teams not named the Golden State Warriors is now open because of this. Uh, what team do you see now having the best chance to get out of the West with a, a little bit of a, I, I don't want to say fair playing field because without Steph, the Warriors aren't as good as some of these other teams, but just more of a, a shot, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I said as soon as I saw that, you know, Curry was, they said two weeks, I think Mark Spears reported that next week he might be, uh, he's like feeling better, but next week he'll be reevaluated. 
But uh, I think San Antonio has to have kind of perked up a little bit because, uh, you know, they knew that the best team in the league, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else who was in Golden State, but they were right behind them. And if Steph's not 100%, you know, then they they definitely, you know, I think that puts them on more level playing field with Golden State. So I think San Antonio has to have uh, perked up a little bit. Um, OKC, you know, we know that the best two teams in the league were, were Golden State and, and San Antonio. And now OKC has to say, hey, you know what? We can't be Golden State during the season 100%, but this gives, a, a, you know, an extra little ray of sunshine for uh, for our chances. That series, I think, if if Steph doesn't come back, that series might determine who our NBA champion is this year. And we'll get to the, that guy in the East. But um, you think the, the Spurs are going to wash the, the Thunder, beat the Thunder, lose to the Thunder? How do you think that's going to go? Um, and the thing is, like, yeah, we know that San Antonio is a more disciplined team. They're probably the – they have more functional depth, meaning that, yeah, you, you know, OGC can roll out eight guys, but – the the three guys off the bench in San Antonio are probably better fits and do more than anyone that OKC can bring off the bench. So, um, but just having Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant means so much. Uh, it, it could take you really far just having two players that caliber. And if 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 Serge Ibaka, I don't know if, if people might not really know this, Serge played great in the first round. He you know he, he looked sharp. He's shooting the ball with uh, intense, incredible accuracy. If he can bring that kind of effort and that kind of accuracy to, to the San Antonio series, it, it it means a lot, man. And if Russell Westbrook is playing under control, he had a lot of turnover the first three or four games of the series. But I think the last two or three games against Dallas, he really he really took care of the ball a lot better. If they can show a modicum of of uh, discipline, man, OKC has a shot. I mean, you have to, you you can't count out two players of the caliber of Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant. I I'm I completely fall in line with you on this. I was actually uh, I was on Sean Woods's podcast Thunderous Intentions uh, yesterday. Uh, to that some uh, podcast time is like this paradox. I was on the podcast recently works, and um, I I actually said I actually said I thought Thunder would take it in seven, just because like KD and Steph right now or KD and Russell Westbrook I should say that would be one hell of a team, but. KD and Russ right now are just on the same page. That whole team is, it feels like, thanks to campaigns, wacky dancing. And just like the way they just ethered Charlie Villanueva after that series, I was like, it, that was the turning point for me. I was like, okay, they're savage now. They don't care anymore. This is what I need. I need these bad guys. I think they they might have the edge now to do it. Uh, one thing to watch is that Durant, he looked, you know, he was pretty good with that. Because uh, I think game six, I mean, sorry, game five and game three, he looked really good. My issue with him right now, he can't, he can't hit a three to save his life. He shot twenty-seven percent from three in that series, man. Um, and you know, Kawhi Leonard is going to be is going to be light years ahead of West Johnson. He's little, as good as West Johnson is as a defender, he's a little undersized. Kawhi is going to really bring it to Kevin Durant, so um, he, he's got to find his scoring touch again. That's that kind of that's one thing to watch out for in the next series. Can he can he get shots to go down on the regularity? Yeah, I think uh, that's that's definitely going to be it. This reminds me of a Twitter argument I got in the other day with some some fairly random person. Um, what? Well, arguing on Twitter? Since when did that happen? I don't do it often. I really don't do it often. I try not to. You you do. I, 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 I didn't know that people do that at all on Twitter. I thought Twitter was about <laughs> reading the discourse. You you get it worse than just about anyone. But um, I I got him. I got in my own scuffle. I put on my snotty hat. And uh, someone told me, 
that without their best players, because this came from a Curry conversation, without their best players, the only other teams they could see winning were um, was San Antonio and Golden State. It was actually after the Chris Paul conversation, I think. And I said, what about OKC? They said the Spurs without Kawhi would wash the Thunder without KD. I don't think that's true at all. How do you, Where do you come in on that? Um, this is one of those fun hypotheticals you can talk yeah. about forever. I, yeah. I, if you don't mind, I might actually bring this one up on Twitter. I say, take the best playoff for every team up in the playoffs, and and how do you how do we think it turns out? It's a kind of interesting conversation. Um, so now we're talking Lamarcus, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu, Boris. The only thing that really that really bugs me about that is uh, they still got Danny Green to throw it throw at Russell Westbrook, and I think their other guys could pick up the They're not going to wash them, though. No, they're definitely not going to be washed. No. It'll be a good series. I think. It, so, I, yeah, I, I feel like OKC could, could do it. They have a lot of front court depth, like a lot. Like, Houston barely plays. Mitch McGarry doesn't play at all. Those are serviceable guys. Like, those guys would get minutes on a lot of teams. I feel like they could go huge and, and do something. I mean, if there's one team you could go huge on, it would certainly be the Spurs without Kawhi. Uh, I agree, man, but the problem I have is that we, we've seen Russ when he has full control of the team. Kevin Durant has a stabilizing uh, presence on that team, yeah. uh, and his 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 ability just to score in a phone booth, it, 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 it adds an element to them that, yeah, Russ is great, and he'll I think, you know, he could probably have cancer averaging almost 20 again in that series. If Serge is hitting, that would be great. But, yeah, having having Kevin Durant stretching the floor and, and being able to just, you know, give you four or five jumpers in a row from, from 18 with a man in his face. It means something. So, um, yeah, I think they, I think OKC would have the best player in that series, but we know San Antonio as a team is just so – San Antonio as a team is just something else. You know, they're just yeah. – they're the anomaly. So, it'd, it'd be tough. It'd be a tough series. Hopefully none of this happens because I think we've had more than enough injuries already this postseason. I mean, the what happened to the Clippers is just devastating. To lose CP3 and Blake for the playoffs, you're talking, you know, besides DeAndre Jordan, their best player is hobbled JJ Redick, and I like JJ Redick, but come on, that's just they 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 have pretty much no life. Do you think they're going to even take another game against Portland? Well, hold up, Pi, don't you disrespect the Sixth Man of the Year, Jamal Crawford? Oh, What's man. your problem, bro? Where do you fall in on that? I mean, I I, I guess you haven't realized analytics are all in on. Uh, off the dribble, pull up, <laughs> eighteen footers with the man. That's that's the way to go these days, bro. Um, yeah, man. It's it, I would I would feel bad for the Clippers if they hadn't done such a good job of paying themselves as these villains. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris Paul carries himself in that way with the chest out and the flopping and always trying to get the foul. He he does it to himself in a way as far as his perception. So, but um, he's a great player and Blake Griffin's a great player and you hate to see a team. That's, you know, this, they've, every year it's been something. Uh, last year, Chris Paul was a groin, I think. Um, you know, I think a couple years ago, Blake Griffin had a really bad sprained ankle, I think, against Memphis when they lost that series. So it's tough, man. You, you hate to see a team who, you know, okay, so you can say the same thing, of course. You know, every year they have, they've had issues last few years mm-hmm. until now. Um, so, yeah, man, it, you hate to see it. It sucks because I, I want to see teams at full strength for the simple fact that I wanted to see Golden State run the gauntlet and actually, you know, face the best, the best as they went to the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it's really tough, man. I, I, and Doc Rivers, he, he even said it, and he's starting to get that to that point where he thinks it's time to start, you know, 
this is not getting it done. Yeah, um, I saw some people saying because of the injuries that that you should extend the window. I don't know about that. I, I don't think this unit has yet shown. And, I mean, you can say, yeah, Blake was hurt for a while this year. But, I mean, even at full strength last season, they, they failed in the worst possible way against the Rockets, who in turn failed in the worst possible way pretty much all season. Um, which of those uh, – Let's. I won't even say which. Do both of those teams blow up to a certain extent, the Clippers and the Rockets? Um, Rockets, yeah. We, we know that Dwight's going to be gone, and they're going to be trying to, you know, bring in some fresh talent in Houston. So the Rockets, yes. I don't think the Clippers will. And bear with me for a minute. I'm going to go to the Memphis Grizzlies team. So the Memphis Grizzlies were kind of like, uh, you know, I think everyone outside of Memphis looked at them as gatekeepers for the last maybe four or five years. They're, they're very good. It's going to be a tough out. But uh, second round was their ceiling. Uh, I think we kind of knew that in the playoffs. They didn't have a playoff year. They couldn't score. Uh, they couldn't. They had no three-point shooting. And we kind of, I think everyone outside of, out of Memphis kind of looked at them and said, eh, they're, they're not contenders. And that's that's just what it was. Yeah. But for the actual franchise, for Memphis and for their fans, I, I, got, a, I got a glimpse of what the grit and grind uh, culture did. And they, I mean, these fans bled. Memphis blue, you know, they believe Memphis, not, not blood, no past tense, because I think no matter what, for the rest of their lives, Zach Randolph and, and uh, Marcus Soule and, Mark, and Mike Conley are going to be heroes anywhere in Memphis. They want to pay for a drink or a meal anywhere in the city limits. Um, it means a lot, man. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's easy for us to say, oh, that team is not a contender, just blow it up. But, I mean, look, you've got Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, two probably the top, what, 10, 12 players in the league, I want to put it. Mm-hmm. They got DeAndre George, another highly coveted center, you know, at a position that these days it's, you know, it's hard to get a guy who can look at the rebound and block shots and doesn't have a lot of usage. That's a, that's a big deal. So it's easy to say, hey, you know, on paper, let's break them up and not contenders. But, I mean, are you going to get better by breaking them up? Are you going to somehow get close to the championship by breaking them up? Golden State still Golden State. San Antonio is going to still be San Antonio. You know, so it's it's like, what do you really gain by saying, okay, these guys, uh, they've, they've been together for four or five years, and they haven't won yet. Let's break it up. So I, I at one time, I, I still kind of think that Chris Paul is holding back Blake Griffin, just his presence on the roster. But, I mean, what are you going to really do? You know, the, the Doc kind of boxed himself in right now. Yeah, um, I, I agree that it's easy. It's much, much easier to say blow it up when you're not there. Right. So especially Memphis, I think like the whole city thing doesn't really apply to the Clippers because they don't really have their city at all. Even though the Lakers are just this pit of suck forever, they still have Los Angeles. Um, That's true. But but the contending thing, I think you're right. Like they're not going to they're almost certainly not going to trade Blake or trade CP3 and come away as a better team. You it's hard to win trades like that. It's been I don't know if since, you know, I don't even know what trade you I would bring up that a team has won by trading away a superstar. You know, it certainly wasn't the mellow trade. I mean, they didn't do horribly, but I don't think you could say Denver won. It wasn't the the Harden trade. I mean, they got Stephen Adams, but for all his faults, James Harden is better than Stephen Adams. So it's it's like you, it's it's this easy situation to say like like blow it up, but like how? That's what I want to say to people. Like, how do you blow it up? Like with Houston, yeah, I mean. You let uh, Howard go, and you have cap space, and you can trade. You know some some pieces like Ariza and Corey Brewer. 
like getting rid of Corey Brewer is not the same as getting rid of Blake Griffin. Like no team is just ready to hand you uh, a contending package. Like, okay, you want to trade away Blake? Well, here's Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and a pick. Like, I don't think you get that much from the from Boston. I don't think Boston wants to do that. Um, wait a minute now. If but, you're asking me, I, I think Boston would probably almost give up the farm for Blake. Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and the Boston pick, and probably another oh. pick. Uh, I, I would have, which pick are we talking about? The, 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 the Brooklyn Lotto, pick. The, pick? the Brooklyn pick, yeah. I, I, as a Southern fan, I'd be happy with that. Easily. I guess, yeah, I mean. I mean, because what is the chance of that player, whoever that pick's going to be, turning into a 25 and 10 guy? Because that's what Blake, 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 Blake would average at least 25 and 12 in, in, uh, in Boston. Easily. So, um. Blake's very valuable, but again, like, what is that? I don't know what that does for for the Clippers. Uh, yeah, I mean, now you're adding Crowder and Jay Crowder, DeAndre, and, and Chris Paul, and and JJ Redick, and I mean, Avery Bradley, really, it's, and Avery Bradley. I but mean, still. that's that's not bad. But you're in the West, still. You know, you still deal with Golden State, San Antonio, um, maybe OKC for another year. Let's keep my fingers crossed. Knock on wood. So it's that's not bad, but. Like you just said, though, that's that's not making the Clippers better. It's not. No, um, I mean, unless like, those, unless those guys like magically gelled together, and the chemistry was better, which is possible. But I mean, that's a gamble. That's a huge gamble. It is, and it, that's what that's the thing with this this kind of talk. It's like you know, I would you rather roll with the devil that you know than the devil that you don't, you know? And that's what that's what it comes down to. We know what Blake Griffin is. We know what Chris Paul is. Know at their peak that they're very, very good. And they can compete with almost anybody. The problem is, it actually the problem is at the margins and the players they have around them. So that's where the the trick is for for uh, for for Coach Rivers and GM Rivers right now. <laughs> he needs to find those pieces around him that can get the job done. Yeah, it's and he's done a horrible job of that so far. He added uh, Lance Stevenson and Josh Smith, and then handed away Josh Smith and. Gave up a first round pick and Lance for Jeff Green, which is when that happened. I, I saw it was a trade. It was Lance and Jeff Green were involved and a first round pick. They didn't report who was giving it up at first. And I said, man, that's still a little expensive giving up Lance for Jeff Green and a first round pick. And it was the other way around. I was like, are you kidding me? Lance Stevenson's better than Jeff Green. You're like the third team to think Jeff Green is going to save your, your playoff hopes. He's a good player, but he's so up and down. He's not the guy to add to make the Clippers a contender. They need to actually find someone, and that's going to be hard as hell in a crazy cap free agency when guys like J.R. Smith are going to be asking for – I don't even want to think about how much J.R. Smith. I, I, I think he's a free agent this year. Or like Dion. Who knows how much Dion Waiters is going to get? Hey, just talk to Dion getting max. I've heard that too. That's ridiculous. From who? It's there. Look, think about it. A team like Philly, Philly has so much money, it's ridiculous. What are they going to do? Philly can give him, and when I say Max, they might only give it to him for, I guess, what, two, three years or, or you know, two years of an opt out or whatever, but they can, they can, what they say, hey, Dion, come, come grab this 20 mil and come home. He's a, he's a Philly guy. <laughs> come home. You know, the guy can, hey, he's talented. I guess, you know, he'll put fans in seats probably, I guess, a little bit. He's excited when he's. He's on, and when he's off, he's excited to watch him miss. So, I mean, um, that's crazy, man. I mean, yeah, I guess 
Is Philly better or worse for getting rid of Sam Hinkie a few months or weeks ago or whatever? I think Philly did it, uh, themselves as a service. Uh, the, the front office blinked first because it was quite a monumental task to say, hey, we're going to be as bad as possible until we get the players we want um, draft. And I don't think ownership really understood what they were getting into. And when it started getting ugly, they, they flinched. And they wanted to change directions, which is their right. And I, I think they did it kind of the right way. I don't. I think the problem may, may have been, and I'm just speaking just from what it seems like, they didn't quite approach Hinky about it the right way. Um, either that or he was already decided, like, you know what, if, if, I, if my plan can't come to fruition the way I wanted it to, I don't want any part of this anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think they're better off now than when they started. Uh, and I think moving forward, Colangelo uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is the guy. That's a good choice. And we will never know if, you know, in three years would they have been better under Hinky or did Colangelo do the right thing. But I think that no matter what we say about the process, it, it worked as it was supposed to no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I, I hated it the whole time. Like, in, in my in my gut, I just was like, ugh, tanking. Ugh, I don't like tanking. But it's undeniable that it worked. Like, it worked super it well. Um, it, it worked. It's, just, it's a bad luck, dude. Uh, you yeah. know, and beat foot. Uh, just the way the way the ping pong ball fell. Uh, you know, they got a lot of uh, duplication of talent because they were just going with that player. That was my one problem with it, the lack of flexibility. Um, he, he, I wish they, you know, they could have called the audible in this draft or last, you know, instead of getting Okafor and said, you know, we need a wing, we need a point guard. Let's, let's call it audible. So, but whatever, it worked. Um, are you not worried that there's two Colangelos now? I feel like people tore up Doc Rivers for trading for Austin Rivers. But, I mean, the, the outcry wasn't that severe when there was a second Colangelo brought into the Sixers' front office. I feel like that's not a good look for the team. I'm going to agree. And I only uh, because I, nepotism doesn't really have a place, I think, in, in, in front offices like this. Unless it was Archie Buford bringing in one of his kids, because he's done such a phenomenal job in San Antonio. I'm not a big fan of, hey, this, I'm bringing my son and my brother or whatever to do, to do the job, because... It, I don't, I don't. I'm with you. Yes, I think that was a mistake. And if we remember, I think Colangelo uh, that he brought in, uh, he brought in what, Brian Colangelo. I think he was responsible for uh, Andre Bargnani. Yeah, he was responsible for getting that money. He was responsible. He was responsible for the Toronto situation before they got their new GM, wasn't he? Yes, sir. Yeah, that doesn't bode very well. You know, that's 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 a, that's a little bit of a red flag. You said it yourself, but, um, Deion Waiters. Hey, you know what? I am all in on Deion getting big money from Philly for the simple fact that I just story. Philly kids get to go home and play, and I mean, hey, you know what? What well, that's his redemption story. He leads that team back to winning over thirty games. That is <laughs> a big deal. Rede- the redemption, the Deion Waiters story. How he got through 31 wins. Him and Embiid got the team to 37 wins in 2019. You know what I mean? That's, dude, that's a 30 for 30. 30 for 30. Five years when, later, they almost got broke even at 500. 
30 for 30, they won 30. You know? <laughs> they almost legitimately were the 6-76 and 76, 76ers this year. Like, they were four yeah, games they're, off. They're pretty, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Their franchise was saved by Ish Smith. Which, I mean, that's why I, that's what bothered me about Hinky. I want to support it, but didn't they have issue cut him like two times before? It's yeah. like, yeah, they just, I don't know what they were doing. But whatever. It, it's, I think, I can't wait for the 30, for 30 on Hinky because he's never going to have one. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about every West team in the play. We got to Sixers somehow. That just happened. Um, but uh, we talked about a lot of Western Conference teams. Let's go to the East real quick. Um, I'm guessing you have Cavs coming out of the East. Yeah, uh, I'm, I've been saying it all year, and I mean, that's not going to change now. They're, unless, you know, barring catastrophic injury, knock on wood, they're, they're coming out of the East. I would say... I th- I thought earlier in the year Toronto was going to give them a little bit of the, a little bit of run for their money I should say uh, I forgot Toronto does this in the playoffs every year and by this I mean inexplicably suck horribly it feels like to me right now and I'll, I want your take on this whoever wins Atlanta Boston has the second best shot of coming out of the East how do you feel about that um I'm not gonna. I want to give Toronto the benefit of the doubt, but like you just said, man, uh, playoff time comes and Kyle Lowry's hands become Echo Waffles and he just forgets how to play basketball. Like, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's freaking fascinating. He just, I don't know, man. And so, I, I, I know, but Atlanta, I want to, I want to go all in on Atlanta too. I love their talent. I love what they're, they're capable of. I think Paul Millsap's one of the underrated players in the game. But their Spurs East routine just—they lack the—they lack that pop sometimes, and they just become toothless for these these weird these weird stretches where they just can't do anything, and that scares me against a team with LeBron James. So, um, yeah, I, you can put whoever you want in second place. I just think you know, as long as LeBron's healthy and as long as Kevin Love and, and Kyrie Kyrie's looking really good right now, so as long as they're on the court, I, I don't see any team in the East beating them four games out of seven. Are they your title favorite if Steph is not back for the finals? I I still say no because I think San Antonio is still San Antonio. Uh, they did with a little bit of depth to get Lamarcus Aldridge. They're, they're going to be they just they're going to be dead. they're going to be dangerous, man. San Antonio they've been there. They know what it takes. They're they're ready for the the fight. So their path is a little bit easier with uh, you know for whatever reason with knock on wood. I, I want Steph to be one hundred percent. You know any series he's in. But, uh, yeah, I think if San Antonio meets Cleveland, I think Cleveland, I got to go with San Antonio is my favorite there. You know what I just realized? What's that? No matter which of those three teams, Golden State, San Antonio, or Oklahoma City, makes it out of the West, if LeBron makes it out of the East, we're going to see LeBron versus one of those teams for at least the second time in the finals. How boring is that? We're going to have no new blood. It's all the same. What makes it not boring to me, I think, is individual matchups. We get to see if it's, you know, knock on wood, uh, if it's OKC, we get to see Kyrie and and Russ versus, uh, you know, Kyrie versus Russ, LeBron versus KD. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's compelling basketball. If it's San Antonio, we get to see Kawhi, the, you know, last, last year's uh, or two years ago, here's a 5 WPRA, get to see Kawhi and LeBron square off. Um, 
you can't beat that, man. No, uh, I love in the market. And then, uh, you know, of course, it's Golden State. That's where everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to see Golden State, I think, in, in Cleveland because, you know, they want to see, hey, last year, of course, the story was that if we had Love and Kyrie healthy, we win that series. Now we get to see it put to the test. So, um, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I think New Blood is overrated. I like to see dominance, and I like to see really good, sustained excellence, and that's what we're seeing right now. That's fair. I don't mean the games will be boring, of course. I mean, when LeBron's involved, it's fascinating basketball. Um, I thought the, the finals last year were great, to be honest. But um, I, I don't know. I, I see your point. I like seeing sustained dominance, too, and what LeBron does in the East, literally going to the finals every year, is incredible. Like, it's it's something to behold. I just I wouldn't have minded to see some underdog team sneak in there. Like, if Portland made the finals... Don't get me wrong. I was pulling for Detroit to get a couple games. You I know? was hey, too. Detroit, if they somehow upset Cavs, that have been the best, one of the best stories of, of, of in the NBA history probably. Um, if if Atlanta gets it together and so say they beat them in seven, to me, that's amazing. I would love to see Atlanta square off against whoever comes out of the out of the West. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We, we got to be realistic here. LeBron James isn't going to lose to Cabo Felosha and – and Kent Bazemore, you know, Guardian probably. So uh, it, it is what it is, man. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm with it. I see, I see your point of view. Fresh blood is always fun. I think what you said there, if Detroit did take that series, and I know they got swept, so it's it, you can't really say it was close. Some of those games were close. I think Detroit's going to be good in a year or two. But if Detroit takes that series, just think of how all the other teams in the East look around. Like, that's suddenly anyone's path to the finals. Like, it goes from, you know you're going to lose to LeBron and go home. At least, at most, I mean, you'll make it to the conference finals. You go from that all of a sudden to, it's open. It's any of us can go. I mean, the Pistons beat the Cavs, so they clearly feel good. And then you look at seven seeds, Indiana, any team with Paul George feels good. And you go up from there. I think that would have been, like, I would have watched, and I still watch most of them, but I would have watched every Eastern Conference playoff game. Because all of those teams would have just been fired up. It would have been incredible. Well, you know what? Here's another. Here's another. Here's another fun. What if the Jazz? I think they lost by three. They lost by eight, and they lost like seven or nine in overtime against Golden State this season. Steph Curry and Draymond and Clay played all those three games. What if the Jazz had got that AC instead of Houston, and then Steph Curry went down? Oh wow! I, you know what? It's. It's funny because uh, Twitter's always funny for this kind of stuff. They're like, you know, oh, you must be crazy. Are you insane? You, but I mean, Steph Curry, a Steph Curryless Warriors team, they they would have their hands full with the Utah Jazz team, even as Jazz and AC. They would have their hands full because the Jazz matched up very well with them, and they play a style that gives both things fits. They slow it down, and they can protect the rim, and they can guard on the perimeter. So it's been it's been interesting. I agree with that. My man Gordon Hayward's a little underrated. I think he's uh, it's I don't know. It's, he he's not very flashy, I guess, but he gets the job done. He's a very good scorer, talented offensive player. He adds a lot, and I mean, yeah, without Steph, I mean, that's a much better series than that. I mean, I wish Adam Silver would have just like taken all the power again and been like, yeah, Houston, your basketball sucks. Like no one likes watching you, Houston. I mean, we did get that great gif of the Rockets after Harden made the game-winning shot. That might be like my favorite gift of the year of everyone just pissed. It's, you know what's so funny about that is that all the Houston fans were like, 
you're reading too much into it. You know, oh, they were relieved. You you don't know. No, you they, know what my favorite was? Wrong. You know what Maury What's tweeted? Daryl Maury tweets, they're worried that the best player in the game still has four seconds to make a shot to win. It's like, okay, sure. Other teams tie up the Warriors late, and they go, oh, darn, now the Warriors have a chance to win. Like, no, no basketball team in history has ever said, oh, well, James, you probably should have waited two more seconds. There's too much time on the clock. That's ridiculous. They were why, mad. Why did, you, why did you tie it up and give us a chance to win? Like, <laughs> damn it, now could have a chance to beat us in three seconds. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know what? It's funny, it's funny how, uh, how fans and I, I, I'm probably – just as guilty as anybody else. We kind of create our own narrative based on what we want because, I mean, it was obvious. I, to me, it was obvious all year that they had some pretty pretty severe chemistry issues in Houston. And, I, oh, you're just, no, they're fine. They're, they, what do you want? They're fine. You know? So, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, they were one of – I had a team in each conference that I projected to be amazingly good, and they both imploded. Um I said the Rockets were going to be the first seed in the West, which is, yeah, that's my bad, guys. And then ah. I – I mean, they were banged up last year too. And I'm not, I'm not – why am I even doing this? They were they were horrible. There's no defending that. And then I thought the, the Wizards were going to be the second seed in the East, and that did not happen either. Otto Porter, Whoops. man. I thought Otto Porter was going to be good, but what can you do? You know what the Wizards' problem is? I think we saw uh, finally the, the the lack the lack of forward thinking as far as the coach. You know, he's stuck in the hey, whatever. That caught up with him, and it shows you that a franchise is doing their existing players and their team in the service when they put all their focus on another team's free agent two years before he's supposed to get there. Surprise! I think all that caught up. With, I, I really think all that caught up with with Washington. Mentally, they weren't focused, and I think it's a little bit of a – it's a slap in the face because you have there when all you're doing is you're actually doing a KD to D.C., you know, grassroots campaign. That's, that's – I think it, it all caught up. And a little bit um, – I love John Wall. I think he's a little bit overrated for the simple fact that a point guard such as him who can't really shoot, he needs better shooters and scorers around him. And uh, they, they have done a poor job of putting talent around John Wall, I think. Well, yeah, because they've been scared to sign anyone because they don't want to use up the, the quote-unquote KD money. I mean, everyone know everyone's basically known he's going to sign a one-year deal with the Thunder this off season to set him up, set himself up for the bigger cap next year, where it's going to reach 108 million, and his max will be literally like 200 million or something crazy like that over five years. Like every everyone knows he's going to do that. Apparently, except Washington, who no one told that's the like they don't read Zach Lowe's articles or anything. I guess they had no idea. Look, Washington and my man, uh, my man, uh, Coach Thorpe at ESPN, who I love and respect dearly. I wish you listened to that. Love your work, Coach. But yeah, I guess he he's predicting he's reading the key lead that, that KD will be gone soon too. So that's I'm with you, man. It, it's obviously to do a two year with the option out after you know yeah. after one the LeBron the opt out. Yeah, he's gonna opt out and look again, and you know, hopefully, uh, this is my this is my bold prediction. I think Presley's finally gonna do something bold during the summer, and he's gonna make he's gonna engineer something and bring in another big name to, to play with Russ and KD, and they're gonna be a lot much more dangerous. So I think we feel we're gonna see a little roster churn in uh, OKC this summer. Are you are you ready for a thought? 
I'm listening. What two guard who plays defense and spaces the floor is available right now? Very, very good one. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is available right now. I don't know how that trade ever happens. OKC has to give up something very good. But my God, if they had if they had Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, KD on one team, there's a big three for you. That's a real big three. That's We haven't seen that since, well, Cleveland, I guess, but we haven't seen that outside of LeBron for a long time. That would be something if they went, if Presti went and got hung, I don't know what he did, Ibaka and draft picks. I don't know how stupid Chicago is. Like James Harden or Jimmy Butler should um, should require a whole lot, but I don't know how dumb Chicago is. So um, I, I'm gonna say it. I'm, I, this is that's a pipe dream, man. There, it's gonna take so much to pry Butler. Well, so much more than what OKC offers to pry Butler away. Yeah, I think so too. But do you think he goes? Do you think they actually get rid of him? Um. It's just, that front office is so weird, man, and they're they're very conservative, which is what my problem with OKC front office. They've been too conservative uh, the last few years. But I don't with that kind of asset. Again, he's in his prime. He's young. He's young enough. Uh, yeah, some injuries, but that's just from you know wear and tear. He's 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 so good. He's what you know. I think he's. I I could when some someone proposes on Twitter, hey, who you saw a team with Butler or Harden? I say Butler. I see, yeah, I could see saying Butler, but the the, the, the two way talent is too much to pass up. So I think Chicago would be, be dumb if they did, um, unless they they got one of those you know one of these blue chip lotto top five picks out of it somehow. So. Oh, what about your team? Oh, I would give my I would give my IP for them to get Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I would name my first child Danny Ainge. <laughs> Yeah, I, they, I would, I they would. might have it. They might have what I don't know what I don't know what's necessary. If it's if I'm the GM trading Jimmy Butler, first I'm not trading Jimmy Butler. That's the first thing, and the second thing is I'm asking for a whole hell of a lot. I I don't know, like if the fact that Chicago wants to build around Derrick Rose and trade away Jimmy Butler in 2016 is too much for my mind to even handle. I think. Well, you know what? It's, it's, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say maybe it's a slow a slow burn rebuild because um, Rose I think had what two years left, and so next not this summer but next summer he comes up for agency. Yes. So yeah, the Bulls are saying, all right, well we're not gonna pay you max money, so either take what you know get what you can for agency, whatever you need to go, or take this this discount, and then they'll have the pick uh, from Moving Butler, right? Whoever they pick, so that's a young player. And then, so yeah, they'll either, and then I have all the cap space from, from Rose coming off the, the books. So, I mean, hey, I, it's not crazy. Um, I, I wouldn't mind Boston giving up, I wouldn't mind Boston giving up the, you know, the pick and maybe Crowder and screw it, Bradley too, I, you know, make it work. Only, I, you will, I, I would just say, don't give up Isaiah Thomas and Crowder. That'd be my, my one thing. But one of the other can go and package whoever else you need and get them out of there and give up that pick and get Jimmy Butler. Boston would be terrifying if they let's. Well, they'd have to give up the pick, but Isaiah Thomas, Jimmy Butler, some wing player they sign, whoever and whoever. I mean, they'd, they'd have some cap space at that point. Man, Boston's all those draft picks. Yeah, they. they you know what I'm saying? Boston should do. 
with that. Try to steal like Bojan Bogdanovic from the Nets for like three of those second round picks. Cause seriously, like you can't even use them all. Like there's too many. You can't even send them all down to the main red claws. There's so many second round picks. Call up Brooklyn and say, look, you need young talent and we could always use another wing player on a, a manageable deal. Give us Boyan Bogdanovich, who's like 25 or 26. He'll be 40 by the time you're good again, Brooklyn. Give us him and three. Here's three second round picks. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. I like him. I like his game. I like his. Uh, I like the guy's moxie. You know, yeah. as, as Tommy would, as Tommy would say, the guy got moxie. So yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. But um, yeah, you know what? Like I said, I, I don't trust James picking, you know, middle of the first or later. So I, I don't want him to have all these picks to keep because he he just pisses me off. <laughs> um, so, Marcus Smart makes threes hey, now, James. Uh, I love Smart. <laughs> no, I, I think I have. I love. I like him most more than a lot of people do. The thing with him is, um, you know, I, I want to see his. Let's see next season how the stroke looks, but uh. I don't know, man. I don't know if he'll ever reach his potential playing this style, uh, this style of basketball with Brad Stevens. He seems like somebody he needs to ball in his hands a lot more and be allowed to do a lot more. But now he's just playing pretty much, you know, he's Isaiah Thomas's caddy. Yeah. Um, I know you got to get rolling kind of soon here. I wanna, I wanna let you get on your soapbox first, though. I happen oh, to know yeah. from going on Twitter. I mean, if I was on Twitter for five seconds over the last week, I probably would have seen something about this. You're very, very upset about Steve Kerr winning. I don't want to say two varies, but you're upset about Steve Kerr winning Coach of the Year. <laughs> Tell me about this. Um. Okay. This and this is this will be you know grind Scotty's gears corner. Yeah. All right. So I'm not upset about it, and this is how it all started. I just I made a very simple tweet basically saying, you know, the guy missed 43 games as you know coaching and one coach of the year. I'm not a fan of that kind of action. And, uh, you know, the Golden State fans, that they like some shit. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say it, but they came out <laughs> to defend their coach, you know. And the, I don't know what you would call them. We call the, we call not, yeah, militia, they go, not warriors, it's the militia. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, this is pretty cutting right of me. But, yeah, I get it. His influence, I get it. He installed the culture, I get it. He taught Luke Walton all he knows. I, I get all this. But the guy missed 43 games. He, he, the culture record, yes, I understand that, you know, these are going to look permanent record as it is. The guy on the sidelines for 43 out of 82 games with Luke Walton. That, I, I don't know what the argument is. It's like, you know, I, I tweeted and made the joke, you know, hey, Steph Curry, you missed half the season, but you still won MVP. How do you feel about that? Are you surprised? Well, no, I taught my shooting guard. I taught my backup everything he, he knows. And I sat behind the bench and I coached him from behind the bench. So it's, it's, it's my, I deserve this award. You know, it's, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it's, it doesn't have to make sense to me because I'm a nobody. You know, so he he has the award. I'm not complaining. He's a great coach. But just, just a little common sense sometimes, man. I get it. He, he still part the team, but he wasn't coached for 43 games. It was somebody else who, who stepped in for him. So... It just, it just, it's silly. It's a silly thing. But, uh, yeah, he, congrats, Steve Kerr, on your, on your stolen coach of the year award. I'm with you on that. I think Steve Kerr is a great coach. I don't think he should have won an award for a year that he was, he had to miss a lot of because of injury. Like, my man Terry Stotts got robbed. Like, Portland lost, gave away basically four starters, 
replace them with bargain contracts. Al Farouk Aminu is not Lamarcus Aldridge, no matter how you spin it. And you I'll know, say this: you show me one blogger, writer, fan who on in October or November said, "Hey, this Blazers team will make the playoffs," and I will show you Nostradamus, or I'll show you somebody who went back and changed his story. You know, in in March. Because nobody believed in them, and, and and anyone who says they did is a liar. Even I know even Dame couldn't believe it at the beginning of the season. So you're right. Scott got lost. Stevens I think had a better chance. Uh, Clifford, Steve Clifford did a bang up job even with all the injuries. I, I think, but yeah, but guess what? The answer's going to be 72, 72, 73 wins. That's what they're going to come back with. So what are you going to do? I will say. I'm a liar. I, I didn't say Portland would make the playoffs. Um, and this is a podcast, so I'm not going to go back and find it. I don't care that much. But um, I, I thought they'd be I thought they'd be fun. I think that's the word. I think I said fun. Portland will be fun. They might be better than you think. They might win 35 games. They were more fun than that even. But uh, I, I'm not. I won't take the the W on that. I definitely didn't think they were going to make the second round of the playoffs. That's for damn sure. Um, I. I'll- I said that they'd be fun. I said that Dame might win a scoring title. I thought he did have the open. He did. I didn't think he'd be he, – he, he, he developed a lot of the this year. But I said they'll be fun. Dame win the scoring title. But I said, you know, I thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league. So, congrats, Terry. Portland. You, you definitely proved me wrong. Yeah, Terry Stotsman and C.J. McCollum, really, who also got robbed. I don't know. They haven't done most improved yet, have they? No, he won it. He got it. Oh, he did get. Yep, he won. Oh yeah, that's yeah, he got Yeah, because Giannis finished third. I'm, I'm dumb. This is good that I host an NBA podcast. I get these things right. Hey man, that's, this makes compelling radio right here. You being wrong makes <laughs> compelling radio. That's that's what the people want to hear. Really, that's what Twitter wants: is people to be wrong more often so they can correct them. So they can yell at them and say, "Wow, you're you're a dumbass. You're wrong." Yeah, that that that's that's Twitter in a nutshell. We described it for you. You don't have to go to Twitter anymore if you want to. Follow at Snotty Drippin, who's great and came on my podcast, even though he had a time crunch tonight. That, that's that's respect. I respect that a lot. Follow me, too, at Ty Windish. You got any plugs before we go, James? Yeah, man. I, I dug deep, and I you know I gritted it out. I was I was gritty and gutty on your podcast today. Um, Grit. I feel grind. that, uh, you know, yeah, if you win any awards for this, I think that I deserve half of them just for being on the show. <laughs> Um, yeah, just follow me on bballbreakdown.com. Um, I had a nice piece with, uh, with my man Josh Coleman from Three Shades of Blue, uh, talking about the, what written grind meant to the, to the fans and to the writers. Um, I had a nice, uh, I had a nice round table with a couple of, uh, Hawks bloggers talking about the, the Hawks Celtics series right before we got, uh, the Celtics got stomped out by Atlanta. That was a, a nice little piece. Um, and yeah, keep your eye on bballbreakdown.com. We have, uh, all the playoff coverage that you could ask for and want. Um. Yeah, that that's me plugging everything. That's a good plug. Uh, check out B-Ball Breakdown. Check out BehindTheBuckPass.com. Check out JoeyBurbs.com. Joey Burbs makes the intro and outro music to this podcast. Find him on SoundCloud and Twitter too. Or just Google Joey Burbs. It's easier that way. Uh, thanks again for coming out, James. Have a good week, everybody. La-da-da-da-da.